In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, over the course of Lent, we are going to take time to look at the Ten Commandments. And as we look at the Ten Commandments, what we have to learn, and what we must continually do as Christians, is not just to learn the Ten Commandments, although we do need to do this. Rather, we have to learn how to use the Ten Commandments. As I wrote this, I was thinking of the many public debates in America over the years about what to do with the monuments of the commandments. Right? Can they be displayed in courthouses and public schools and public spaces? But what we want to be careful about in any case is simply seeing the Ten Commandments as something static to memorialize or something on which simply to inscribe a monument and then forget about them. Instead, what is more important is to know the commandments and then to understand that they are saying something to us. And so Ash Wednesday is the perfect time to start this endeavor, to learn what the Ten Commandments are saying to us. So on Ash Wednesday, we see two different things happening. Because on Ash Wednesday, we face the realities of our baptisms with the realities of the sinful flesh that clings on to us. We are reminded on this day, above all days, that we, body and soul, are corrupted by sin. In our baptisms, that corruption is drowned. It is no longer what God sees in us. When God looks on you, he only sees Christ. But in this age, and until these bodies of ours return to the dust from which they were created, the corruption of sin is going to cling to us. We will not be perfect in this life. We cannot free ourselves from sin. And to be freed from sin is not something we can do by our own will or by our own effort. It's not done by our effort. Our effort, it's only done by the Spirit. And so we can start in talking about the Ten Commandments by first saying the commandments are not a solution to our sin problem. The commandments do not guide us into holiness. St. Paul teaches us that only the Spirit of God does that. Nor do the commandments justify us before God. They don't make us right with God. Only Christ does that. Instead, the commandments for us serve as a mirror. They're going to show us where we do not measure up to what God demands of us. And so the first thing, the first basic thing we say about the commandments is that they are God's demands of us. When Moses went up on the mountain and received these commandments from God, God himself wrote these commandments with his finger on stone. In other words, these are not arbitrary rules created by men. Rather, these are divine demands that are binding on us. And in the commandments, we see that there are two types of demands. Sometimes we talk about the two tables or the two tablets of the commandments. And in fact, there's a good representation of this on the window on the west side of the church. The first tablet has three commandments concerning what God wants from us as we relate to him. And then the second tablet has seven commands that show us what our neighbors need from us. But we still have to get to this question of introduction. How do we use the commandments? And I think we can start by way of illustration there are some people who absolutely dread going to a doctor's appointment, especially dread going to a routine doctor's appointment. 
And of course, one of the reasons they dread it is the belief that they are going to get back into the exam room and all the tests are going to point out everything that's deficient about them. You go in and you step on the scale. Well, already that number is a little higher than it ought to be. The nurse takes your blood pressure. Well, that's a little high. The blood work comes back and the doctor reads it. Well, your A1C is high. Your cholesterol numbers aren't what they need to be. And on top of all of that, all of the routine stuff, maybe all the tests and the examinations will find something wrong that you had no idea was there. Something there might require extensive treatment. Something there might change your life. Something there might even be terminal. And so using the Ten Commandments is going to be like stepping into that doctor's office and getting a thorough examination. It's going to reveal things about you that maybe you didn't know, or at least things that you intentionally ignored. Our confessions say that the commandments are a mirror to us. They're going to show us the truth about our condition. And so make no mistake about it, when we hold up the commandments and we really look into them, none of us is getting off with a clean bill of health. We're all going to be diagnosed with some serious sin. And as we look at the commandments over this Lenten season, there's not a single commandment that we will hold up and we'll say, oh, I got this one. I'm really good at this commandment. No worries. Instead, every single commandment is going to convict us. And this is how we're going to use the commandments. We're going to hold them up, and we're going to see all of our conditions. And this isn't something most of us are used to doing. Most people are living unexamined lives. That's always the easy path, not to deeply consider what's going on with us spiritually. However, we all do come here each Sunday, and we all together confess our sins. We all together receive absolution. But there are times when our confessions can fall into getting overly generic, and we begin to think of ourselves only in terms of generality. Right? We all know that we are sinners in general. We think, well, I'm not perfect, but nobody is. Or worse, we become such general sinners that we try to compare our sins to someone else's, right? At least I'm not as bad as so-and-so. But what does God's law, what do the commandments tell us about our sins specifically? It's the difference between coming to the doctor and saying, I think I don't feel well, and coming into the doctor and saying, here are my specific symptoms, can you treat them? And going to the doctor and saying something like, I think I have some health problems, but you should see my neighbor. You should see how he's sick that guy is. That doesn't help us either. And so as I talk about the commandments in terms of medical diagnosis and things, some of you undoubtedly and rightly will be thinking, this preacher is depressing, right? Why do we want to spend all this time looking at how bad we are? Why spend time on seeing how much we do not measure up to what God demands of us? Isn't church supposed to be uplifting and motivating? But this is precisely what we do on Ash Wednesday and what we do in Lent. We are asked to strive to be honest about what it means to be a sinner. And not just a sinner in general, but a very specific sinner. 
And so on Ash Wednesday in particular, we're reminded that our sins have consequences and that there are consequences of being complicit in this sinful age. And the final consequence, of course, is that our bodies return to the dust from which they were created. And so why spend time on such a depressing topic? Why spend this time on diagnosis? Well, first, because God's word diagnoses everyone who takes the time to hear it, read it, consider it, and apply it. His word is living, and it's for you. If you spend any time in scripture, God's word is going to convict you. It's going to point out your sin. You cannot get around it. But more importantly, even than that, is that God wants you to love the medicine he has for you. He doesn't want you to try to self-medicate. He doesn't want you wasting your time on Dr. Google, trying to diagnose yourself and fix yourselves like we all do. He wants you to know that, in fact, you do have a serious condition. But more importantly, he wants you to know that he has the cure. And in fact, it's a cure that's given to you every week when you come here. And each Sunday in Lent, you'll have the opportunity to receive what the early church fathers called the medicine of immortality. You will receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Christ is your cure. He's the one who takes all of our terminal conditions and cures them. He's the one who bears our sins. And he doesn't just bear your sins in general. He bears your sins specifically. The sin that you are most embarrassed about. The sin that you feel the most ashamed of. The sin that you would never whisper to a soul in this world. That's the sin that Christ bears for you. The gospel is not general. The gospel is specific to you. It is about forgiveness. It's about redemption. It's about healing for you as a person. And the gospel's power becomes all the more real when you can name the sins that are present in your life and then hand them over to Christ. And if you really consider God's word to you, you will, in fact, see how much of a sinner you are. But this ought to drive us all the closer to Christ because he is the one who rescues us from the guilt. It's Christ who solves the final problem of sin for us. The problem of being returned to the dust, as we'll hear in a second, Christ has solved it for you because he has taken on the sins of which you are guilty. He has borne their consequences and then he was raised out of the grave for you. And because Christ was raised out of the tomb, so also will you be. And so the Ten Commandments are going to make your sin problem very clear. And I hope it makes it very specific. But let this be all the more reason for putting your faith in Christ. Because he is the one who bears all of those sins for you. Amen. <laughs>